Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and today bringing you a special show celebrating some successes of four very different cricketers. With the county and international season behind us in the UK, the Cricket Writers Club Player Awards have been announced and you will hear from four of the winners on the show today. You'll hear from a man for whom 2020 was a breakthrough year that promises much for the future. An international cricket captain with a warning for all cricket administrators in these COVID times. A veteran of the game admitting he got it wrong at the start of the season. And someone who became the number one T20 bowler in the world this year. You're listening to Following On. So let's get started with our first award winner. And when you consider where we were in March, when the cricket world, much like every other world, ground to a halt, it's a triumph. We can even talk about the winner of the NV Play Young Cricketer of the Year, an award that dates back to 1950 and can only be won the once. And this year, it's England and Kent's Zach Crawley, who starred in the third test with Pakistan, top scoring with 267. What an innings that was, by the way. And uh, also performed well on the domestic front. He spoke with Cricket Writers Chair Alison Mitchell. Zach, congratulations. You are our Young Cricketer of the Year for 2020. Can you quite believe the sort of breakthrough summer you had in the test arena? No, I probably couldn't actually, especially in April when um, we're looking like we're not going to get any cricket at all. And so to get the cricket we did and to obviously have a, have a decent summer was, was very special. And um, oh, to, be, to win this award uh, voted by the crew writers, that's, um, that's very special to me. So thank you very much to everyone who voted for that. Well, your major moment was, of course, the double hundred against Pakistan. What do you remember of the exact moments? Well, I remember the hundred more than the, the anything else. The, the moment I got the two to bring up my hundred was um, incredibly special. I remember just feeling pure elation, and um, you know, something that I've never felt before. Obviously, I've scored a couple of first class hundreds, and they felt special. But this was just a, a whole new level, as as you can probably imagine. So, you know, I'm definitely craving a few more moments like that. But uh, yeah, it's definitely like nothing I've ever experienced before in cricket field. It's just. Just happiness that uh, all the work had come together on, on one day and, um, yeah, it all seemed worth it. A bio-bubble experience was a little bit different for everybody, but it almost felt as if more focus was on you guys because there was no other cricket going on in the world, really, at the start of the summer. What do you feel that it's done for the significance of the test game? 
Oh, it was huge. I mean, to, to have a to have a summer without Test cricket would have been, you know, really damaging to all forms of cricket in this country. Obviously, with the way TV deals work, to get this cricket on has, you know, managed to give the ECB a lot of money, which is needed for grassroots cricket, county cricket, and obviously international cricket. So, you no, know, you can't underestimate the value that having those tests on had on the, on this country. And um, I'm glad that we could put on a, some good games of cricket, and very thankful that. The West Indies and Pakistan came over and, you know, put themselves at risk to, to play in these series. And, you know, we're all very grateful for that. So success thus far and a big moment in the test game. What about ambitions in the other areas of international cricket? Where do you, where do your ambitions lie in terms of white ball cricket? Oh, absolutely. I'd love to play white ball cricket for England. Um, you know, it's one of the best sides, definitely the best one day side in the world, in my opinion. And, you know, as proven last year when they won the World Cup and, you know, especially their batting is, is incredibly strong. So it's going to be hard to, to work my way into it. But, you know, it's definitely a goal of mine. And, you know, I'll hopefully score a lot of runs for Ken in Whitehall cricket and, and kind of stake my claim. But um, there's a lot of hard work to do before that comes. But no, it's definitely, I'd love to play Whitehall cricket for England. A final question. You're 22 years old. You don't have a social media account, Zach. Is this going to prompt you to get on it? The double hundred, the awards that are coming your way? <laughs> No, I don't think so. I um, I think I'm better off off it for now. You never know, down the line, things might change, but uh, I'm quite enjoying being off it and um, staying in my own little bubble. Uh, I've been in one bubble already this year. I'm just, I try and stay in mine. So, um, yeah, no, I, I enjoy being off it and uh, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Have you got any idea yet what the winter's going to hold? I've got a rough idea. As long as the virus stays away, there's going to be hopefully subcontinent tours after Christmas and maybe a subcontinent trip in preparation for that training camp before Christmas. But, you know, if the virus keeps getting worse, then obviously these things are going to have to um, be quite flexible. So um, we've got a rough idea. It's going to be probably a, quite um, an Asian winter if, if things do go ahead. But um, uh, we'll have to wait and see how the, how the virus behaves and stuff. The county game, plenty to be proud of, and who knows what great things Crawley will go on to achieve. One man who's achieved pretty much everything is the winner of this year's County Championship Player of the Year, Sir Alistair Cook. He scored 563 runs in the Bob Willis Trophy and is 172 against Somerset in the final at Lords. A welcome and cheerful end to what has been a difficult season for everyone connected to the game. Well, in 2020, the county championship was replaced by the Bob Willis Trophy. And so our award this year recognises performances in that competition. And the player of the year, as voted by the membership, is Sir Alistair Cook. Alistair, congratulations. Leading run scorer, a century in the final as well. You just look like you were loving playing for Essex again this year. Hi, Ali. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great year, actually. I was really... Um... I was really sceptical of it, actually, to start with. I thought that a five-match tournament to, you know, to do, obviously, I think a six-match with the final, but the, I, just, I just didn't think, how, didn't think it would work that very well. Actually, I was totally utterly wrong. It was a brilliant tournament. Um, the five games meant that every game mattered. There's, you know, you, could, you, know, you had to be on it from straight away. And, you know, the, the bit I liked is that because there was no overseas, because you know, clubs... Almost had a free shot at everything. Every club could win it, but you couldn't get relegated. Promotion wasn't spoken about. That everyone backed their own youngsters, and you know certainly in the South Group, you know you're playing against kids where you know haven't given much of an opportunity before, uh, and were brilliant cricketers. I can, I suppose, I can speak for Essex. So uh, Paul Water came in, Rose came in for Essex. Um, Aaron Beard, who you know, Peter Siddle probably would have played ahead of him to start with. 
you know, it took their chances and, um, and we've unearthed three really good cricketers. And, and I think other counties um, certainly would be in the same situation. So I, I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant tournament. Obviously, it's, you know, the ice on the cake was to get through the final to, you know, play, to play a Lord's final, to play a Lord's anyway is brilliant, play a Lord, like a Lord's final one, a kind of a thing never been done before. It was been, and um, yeah, it was, great to, it was great to score in the final. You would have spent plenty of hours in that Lord's dressing room with England and celebrating wins as well. Was it in that dressing room that you stayed celebrating with Essex? Yeah, we had a few hours. They kicked us out about uh, nine o'clock. Um, so we had a, a, lively, a lively bus journey home. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, it's, it was such a shame. I know everyone's been saying, oh yeah, because actually, I, you know, I've been involved with a bit of the, the test match commentating, as you know, and and some of the cricket has been absolutely fantastic, hasn't it? Like some of the innings, like you know, Chris Wokes obviously his, his summer, but Ben Stokes is and him and Joss Butler walking out to open. You know, games going down the wire. The One Day Series Australia, just brilliant games of cricket, which that we all see would have been you know so appreciated by the crowds and stuff. And that Laws final, I reckon, would have sold out. Do you know what I mean? It would have been so many people would have been keen to see to see that. I thought and. Um, and it was a great game of cricket. Obviously, Tom Lavenby, I, we had, I thought, you know, some sort of an earth, another left-handed, very good player. Um, and it was, it was, you know, I think it was a, the standard of cricket was fitting for the final. Have you enjoyed and have you played any sort of mentoring role with those younger players? And do they kind of keep you on your toes as well? Well, I certainly play music on the, iP- the iPod I've never heard of. <laughs> so that kind of keep, keeps you young. It's probably not even called an iPod Educating anymore. But, uh, <laughs> well, educate me in uh, some looser terms. But yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully, you know, actually uh, the last couple of years, certainly this year, I, I, I felt more comfortable talking to them. Uh, and I don't mean that, that I wouldn't do it last year, but obviously it's another year further down the line. You kind of know them a bit better. There's nothing worse than someone jumping in and... And offering advice and not knowing how it's going to be well, how well received, or even knowing the person. It's really important you know the person before you start talking to them. It's certainly about something sensitive as batting. So, you know, this year I felt as if I've done a lot more of that. Maybe it's just because of the COVID thing. We've had a lot more time kind of away from from playing. But um, yeah, I, you know, they've been brilliant actually, and I have enjoyed that. I have enjoyed, you know, watching. Yeah, you know, certainly someone like Tall Paul or Faroe, a batter. You know, batsman's in in our team, kind of trying to make a difference to them and you know whether I have or not I don't know but it's um yeah that you're right it has that has been an element of that this year which wasn't I suppose there last year and I suppose this tournament's allowed it because you know it just it just seemed to work easier. At the England level somebody had a breakthrough summer was Zach Crawley as a youngster 22 years of age what do you see in him do you feel that he's got a very bright future? Yeah, I mean, well, we saw that innings, didn't we? That was, you know, an extraordinary innings played by anyone, not only to make that your first test debut, and also against um, his first test debut 100, to turn it into, was it 274, I think, or 267. Yeah. Um, just, and, and just the manner, the shots he played. I, you know, we've seen him at, I saw him a little bit at Kent, and he never got big runs. I think he might have gone 18 in one day once, but just some of the shots he played, you made you stood up. He kind of reminded me a little bit when I first saw Josh Butler play. You know, it was like, Oh, you know that's a good ball he's hit for four. That shot is unusually different, you know. Um, and I think he has the ability to to do that. And actually, that Pakistan seam attack, you know, like at the beginning of that summer, people were saying how strong they were. So to dominate to dominate that that kind of bowling, um, like he did, you know, was incredible. And 
of course he's you know like anyone who can play like that you've got it you've got a massive future you know it's going to there'll be a few more twists and turns along the way on his his cricket path there there always is that but in the back of his mind it's must be great knowing you can play like that at such an early age and with the freedom and the talent he's got so yeah look we all expect big things it's he's got that, then unfortunately he's got that to to live up to isn't he like now people they're actually encouraging for for me, was watching him when he went back after the end of the season and, and and scored some 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 runs both in the in the Bob Willis Trophy for Kent and in the T20. So, you know, you know, it shows that he's he's on it. One thing he's got in common with you is that he doesn't do social media, and he says he's quite content not being on social media. I mean, you've got to learn to ride the highs and lows, um, you know, on on and off the field, don't you, as a top level cricketer. Absolutely. Well, any I suppose in any level of the cricket, but certainly at the top where, you know, when he was two seven, two sixty odd, um, everyone's saying, you know, he is the next this and that. And then you know, obviously the first game first game back, he got he got naught in his first innings. He got he got hundred and second innings, which just shows what great level it this game is. Um but I don't know that very well, so I can't speak of obviously a couple of the the England lads have been chatting to say so what a good lad he is and what you know he is made of the right stuff and you, know, you certainly get the impression of certain people who turn into dressing room, turn up in the dressing room story, and and you know that they're made out for international cricket. Obviously, I can't comment on on Zach, but you know, talking to Josh Butler about him, and they're saying, you know, he's that. It's a bit like when Joe Root turned up. You kind of thought this guy's going to hang around for a long time, and you know that's kind of the impression I've got from everyone. So, which is um, which is great for England unearthing another, you know, talented cricket, an unbelievably talented cricket coming through the the English system, which gets a lot of criticism certainly at certain levels and but actually if you look at the cricketers that have been developed over the last few years have been you know sensational so um yeah and I also got to say to the ECB as well actually this year to do what they've done for the game of cricket on all of it you know from yeah. you know from the men's to the women's in, in what must have been almost impossible conditions to work has been fantastic just to allow you know the cricket to go on and certainly as a county level for, to give those games for the Essex team or any county to get them on has been sensational. Yeah, and you were able to see it from both sides as well with the time you spent the other side of the bubble with us in the media too. A final thought then, Cookie, uh, with Essex, what's going to be your sort of favourite moment, memory from the season with them and the, the run to the Bob Willis Trophy title? If you could encapsulate oh, one moment. It would, yeah, it would be that last that last day, I suppose. Just the, as always, you wake up with those nerves and that, that anxiety of what's going to happen. We knew we were going to be under pressure as a batting unit with the with the lights on against, you know, a Somerset attack, which is, has delivered all year. So actually just that and knowing that the whole side contributed to that, the win and, you know, the pacing up and down the change room, like almost not being able to watch the cricket because you're just so desperate to get through uh, and to play as comfortable as the guys did, obviously Ryan Tenscott and we to Paul Water, you know, delivering for Essex in a big moment. It's brilliant, actually. You know, you, you never get bored of that feeling, do you, when you've contributed and the side wins something like that is, um, is very special. And hopefully, again, for Essex, we can we can continue our four-day stuff. From someone at the end of an illustrious career to a cricketer with the whole world ahead of her. 2020 was an incredible year for England's Sophie Eccleston. She helped take her team to the World T20 semi-finals, uh, became the youngest to 50 T20 wickets and went to the top of the rankings as well. She caught up with CWC chair Alison Mitchell. Well, Sophie, it's a real honour to be able to announce you as the recipient of the Women's Award for 2020 and you've had a fabulous year and rising to number one in the world at just 21 years of age as well. What do you think helped you get to number one? 
I think when I was younger, I just enjoying my cricket, really. I think playing with my friends and growing up. And then I got to about 16, 17 and thinking this could be my job when I'm older. And I think just enjoying what I do and to do it as a profession now and to be looking and I'm number one in the world, it's obviously a real credit to me and it's a real honour. You obviously helped the team get to the semi-final of the T20 World Cup earlier this year. I mean, I know there was a, an immense disappointment at that stage with the rain, but as a tournament, like, how did you feel that you shaped as a side throughout uh, the time that you're in Australia? I think we we're going really well. I think it got to the World semi-final, and we were we were still adamant we hadn't played our best cricket yet in the tournament. So, to be honest, that semi-final not played our best cricket yet, and I think it was really exciting. And obviously, to be caught off by the rain wasn't exactly ideal, but I think it's made the team more hunger to go to the next one and win it. A curtailed season since then, obviously, what with COVID, but the T20s against the West Indies, I think one thing that was really evident through that was the strength of, of the spinners in the England side. How do you feel, so the likes of Sarah Glenn and Maddie Villiers also help you in your cricket? Yeah, it's also really nice to have Maddie and Glennie on my team now. I think us three get on so well and there's competition for place in the team. And But I think it's really healthy competition because we get on so well and we help each other out if we ever need any help. And I think especially Glennie, like she's come in and she's obviously on the big bash now and she's loving life really. She's performed so well and I'm really proud of her and how she's gone. What's your own philosophy as a spinner? What's your approach to, I guess, wicket taking? You're quite an attacking minded bowler, would you say? Yeah, I'm definitely more attacking. I think when I come up to bowl, I don't really go defensive. I think in my head, it's more aggressive and aggressive field. So I think for me, I think everyone knows, I just keep it simple. Otherwise, when I start thinking too much, it all goes wrong. So I just keep it simple. Who's been your main, your biggest influence, would you say, on your career? Oh, probably after my dad and my brother. Um, Paul and James, my brother James, taught me how to play football and cricket when I was younger. And I think he's the main reason why I'm here now. And I think he always gets upset if I don't mention him when it says an influence. So, no, yeah, it was definitely my brother James who taught me everything I know to, up to now. Do you support the same football team as you as well? Because that was a pretty significant result for the other half of Liverpool the other week. <laughs> yeah, no, he supports Everton. He's, a, he's an even bigger fan than me. Like, he's diehard Everton. So, yeah, I think he was loving life the other night. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, tell me what the winter might have in store for you then. No big bash. Talk, talk me through that decision-making process to begin with. I think for me, I, I was going to go. I was I was there. I said yes to a, few, uh, to a team and... I think for me, when it came towards and the quarantine uh, was there and I think come straight out of the bubble and two days later going to the big bath just for two weeks more quarantine and a, a bigger bubble, I just thought, I don't think it's for me. And maybe next year I want to do the whole thing and I want to do it properly. So hopefully next year it will be back to normal and I can do it again. And just a thought, Sophie, on, on sort of the world game where it is at the moment, we've just seen the Australian women's team obliterate New Zealand and take their winning stretch to 21 games. How far away do you feel England are from Australia, first of all? I think we're definitely not far away. I think it's fair to say during the Ashes last year when we played them, it was wasn't the best cricket we've ever played. Like we weren't we were we were we admitted we weren't the best we've we've been, like we were terrible in some ways. And I think to come back and we wanna be better than them and we wanna be as good as them and I think we're we're really not far off. We're definitely up there and I think on the day, cricket's just an on-the-day game and hopefully when we play the next, we can show them what we're about. Yeah, what do you think those sort of main differences are then to work on to make sure that you're right up there and have the chance of beating them? I think it's just working on our basics of the team. I think it's just, I think the bubble, spending so much time together, we know each other inside and out now. I think 
when someone's having a bad day or they're having a bad, bad day ball and we know exactly what to say to people. I think it's just getting to know each other better and I think it's just getting to know each other into how each other work and some people work very differently to others. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And there were some other awards with Duncan Hamilton named winner of the Cricket Writers Club Derek Hodgson Book Award for 2020 for his biography of Neville Cardus titled The Great Romantic. Dan Bowser of the England Learning Disability Squad named the Lord's Taverners Disabled Cricketer of the Year after starring for England in the series Whitewash against Australia. How good does that sound? And West Indies captain Jason Holder presented with the Cricket Writers Club Peter Smith Award, which recognises outstanding contributions to the presentation of cricket to the public. And he did so as he led his side into the unknown, really. It was the height of the COVID crisis here in the UK when Jason Holder and the West Indies team flew in for a three-test series. And he explained to Ali Mitchell, it brought challenges that cricket administrators around the world right now will have to learn about very quickly. Jason, it's great to see you. Uh, congratulations on being the recipient of the Peter Smith Award for you and the West Indies team. If I could, I'd like you to have a listen to the citation which the awards committee has put together. Holder led a trailblazing tour party that flew into the unknown at the height of the COVID crisis in the UK from the relative safety of the Caribbean. As the first sports team to enter a bio bubble, they showed great forbearance, holed up in two hotels for seven weeks and were instrumental in rescuing the international summer for cricket lovers and the ECB. Holder also conducted himself with grace on and off the field, speaking eloquently on race and racism and the need for education and unity during a period of turbulence precipitated by the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. There are the reasons. Jason, what do you make of it? Well, first of all, you know, it's an honour to receive this award. Um, yeah, I mean, West Indies cricket has a rich tradition, you know, and a rich tradition of both on and off the field memories. And, you know, for us, it was important to go up to England, uh, not only to save cricket per se, but... You know, to to put the world at ease, I, I believe. You know, I think COVID has definitely put it left a damper on the world, and you know, we we needed to find ways to pick ourselves back up. 
and it was great that ECB could put on the tour and facilitate a tour in, in the magnitude that they did. You know, I think a lot of credit must be given to the ECB for their hard work. And I think they've done an excellent job in creating a really biosecure bubble, uh, one that was safe, one that was well-organized. And, you know, the players were, the players' safety was kept at, at best. So, yeah, credit to them. But again, being the recipient of this award, um, you know, I can't take credit for it. You know, it's the entire West Indies cricket um, should definitely take a, a, a part on the back for this award, you know, because it was a, a maximum team effort, you know. So thanks once again. Yeah, I mean, we're really pleased to be able to give it to you. Is awareness, do you think, of race and subconscious bias, is, is that being maintained enough? It was obviously very evident when you guys first came to the UK. What's your feeling on the conversation now? <laughs> Quite interesting, man. Um, I actually was following a little bit of what Mikey Holden was saying regarding the Pakistan and, and Australia tours, which, which preceded ours. Um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to, to get people to see the importance of it. And, and that's where the education has to, has to keep being um, filtered through. You know, I think it's really impossible that people understand where we as black people are coming from and understand the, the, the harsh reality of, of how the world is set up, you know, and there are inequalities out there. Um, some, of, some of them are very um, much in, in, in our faces and, and some of them are, are done discreetly, but there are inequalities. And I think it's just a level of, of, of education, as I always said. And I, I personally was a bit disappointed to see how Pakistan and Australia tourists had, had, had went on after us and, you know, they're not showing their solidarity afterwards. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a long debate, it's a long, hard challenge, it's a long road. And I think we as people, we just need to continue to come together, put our minds together uh, and genuinely find ways to, to fix the inequalities in the world. Um, as I said, it's not an overnight fix. This is something that is going to be ongoing for maybe a number of years. But I think the, the most important thing and the message that needs to be push home is that you know we need to come together um, we need to see each other as all equal human beings and, and treat each other that way and more or less you know be be your brother's keeper in this world you're now at the IPL which is a big mix of international cricketers some of whom are obviously playing in those series after your team left the UK have you had a chance to open conversations with them about the reasonings for declining to take the knee, for example, at the time, teams sort of reiterated their their commitment to anti-racism and to equality. But how are conversations going amongst players at the IPL? Is it are conversations happening? <sighs> to be honest, I haven't had one conversation up here around it. Um, sometimes it seems as though it's gone unnoticed, which is a sad thing. Um, I guess it's again for us to to highlight, you know, the importance of it. You know, and, and for people just to understand what is happening in the world. I guess too, COVID has, has definitely shook the world as well. And that has obviously caused a lot of tension. Um, there's suddenly a lot of tension on, on, the, on the elections in America as well, too. Um, but for me, I think once certain things are handled, um, you could then be able to continue to write home the message. But for us, particularly as black people in the Caribbean, a, a black dominant society uh, it is for us to continue the education uh, I don't think it's, st it's stopped you know Cricket West Indies has done an excellent job in continuing the, 
the uh, awareness of it. You know, the women's the women had a series in England afterwards, and they they wore Black Lives Matter on their, their jerseys as well, and they pushed the pushed the movement movement as well. So I think it has been ongoing, and I think again credit must be given to Great West Indies. Um, you know, they've thrown their support 100% behind it, and they continue to raise awareness uh, around the movement. So. Hopefully that could stretch throughout the, the entire world and, and more territories and nations can understand the importance of it. The other element, of course, of the Peter Smith Award, the Cricket Writers Club, is the bio bubble, as you've alluded to. How sustainable do you feel that is? You've done a quarantine in Dubai for the IPL. You've got a tour to the New Zealand coming up as well. How are you all feeling about this aspect of COVID? Quite frankly, I'm, I'm getting a little tired and frustrated of the bubbles. Um, it is hard, but you know, when you, you put everything into 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 context, it is probably the only option. You know, it's a probably the only option for us to have cricket um, safely. And it is hard. It is more hard mentally. Sorry, sorry, it's harder mentally. Sorry, um, because it takes a toll on your mental health, and and that's for me the most challenging challenging aspect of it. I never once have been indoors so much in my entire life. And it's a challenge, you know, we're outdoor, um, there are people where we do a sport outdoors, we train outdoors, and more, more, more often than not, we spend, I would say, 70% a day outdoors. So to be held indoors, locked up in a room, confined in a hotel, uh, has been really difficult and challenging. But if you take that into the context, then it's practically impossible to have, have cricket safely on and many people around the world have been shot by COVID, um, job loss percentages have definitely risen and uh, we don't want to be you know a part of that so in order to have cricket you know we've got to make sacrifices and it's all part of being an international athlete as well too um but yeah back to bat bubbles um hasn't been easy uh, and then potentially now we're gonna have i'm gonna be having a fourth bubble after this so let's hope that covid could settle down and we can find a, a vaccination or a cure for it um, as quickly as possible that we can all rely on and hopefully the world can get back to some kind of normalcy. Do you think cricket has its eye on the psychological impact of quarantines in terms of the support that you guys are getting as players? I think no, it's, it's becoming a little bit more highlighted uh, and, and a little bit more focus is, is going into it. Uh, and It's more than money. Yeah, it, It's more than money for commercial rights and commercial re reasoning, but Mental health definitely plays a serious, serious part of the entire scheme of things. And now that cricket is back up and running, uh, you can pr practically say full time. Uh, more, more territories now finding um, finding their, their means within their resources to have biosecure bubbles. And more, more than likely, you're going to be going from one series to another, like usual. And a lot of places now could be going from one bubble to another. So I think more creative ways have to have to come into play into keeping the sanity of players and keeping their mental health in intact. Um, hopefully this can happen sometime soon and, and we can have a little bit more freedom and a little bit more activity to keep the mental health mental health of players you know intact. Jason, we wish you best of luck for the rest of your time in the IPL for the New Zealand tour as well with all of that and. We're really thrilled to be able to recognise you and the West Indies team in this way through the Cricket Writers Club. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Alison, and to the Cricket Writers Club. Thank you so much again for offering this award. And you know, hopefully Cricket West Indies and West Indians by extension can continue to 
with their flag high and continue to make these positive, positive contributions to cricket. West Indies captain Jason Holder there. That's it for the show. Big thanks to the Cricket Writers Club for the interviews and a special mention uh, to a wonderful person, the chair, Alison Mitchell. Now, you can listen, catch up or subscribe to Following On at all the usual places, uh, everywhere where you get your podcasts, basically, Acast, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And with a nod to an interview and a show that's going to be broadcast and uh, published on the Following On feed on Thursday, Neil Manthorpe sitting down with the great Jack Callis. Plenty to come on Following On. But for now, thanks for listening. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparcel Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparcel Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.